I'm glad you're here. I'm certainly thankful for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. If I haven't seen you before today and haven't wished you Happy New Year, Happy New Year to you. I don't know if you've made a resolution, but I trust you're sticking with that 365-day cabbage cleanse or whatever you're going through. We're all rooting for you. Are you a trusting person? Some of us are more so than others. It seems that some of us are are born more trusting than others. Uh, You can see it in babies and in small children. I have three children of my own and they've all been different in this regard. You've been around that sweet baby that just loves and trusts everyone. Never met a stranger. You see them peek over their parent's shoulder at you. You play a a quick game of peekaboo. They giggle, they smile, they reach out. When you get near, you hold them and you bounce them around. You've got a new friend for life. What a wonderful experience. Babies like this get a little bit older and they begin to toddle around and they will walk, rock right up to you. They'll crawl in your lap. They'll extend their arms for you to pick them up. And what I love about that, my favorite part of that, is when they do that to someone who doesn't have children or isn't used to holding children. And that person reluctantly picks up the child like they're carrying a cactus or something and holds them out and wondering what to do. I guess, I guess I'm holding babies now. When it's time for pictures with Santa Claus, these, these children love it. They jump up on his lap and they begin to talk and say what they want for Christmas. They ask many questions about the North Pole and reindeer and elves, and they go on and on. These kids are very trusting. But then there's children who seem to be a bit more untrusting. That baby that looks at you over the shoulder of their parents like you owe them money. like you've talked their parents into getting rid of their pacifier. They're the babies that you can't win over easily. You talk them up, oh, what an adorable baby. Look how cute, look at those cheeks. Aren't you precious? Why why don't you come to me? That baby will whip around, draw in its hands and give you the most awful look, like you are the FBI's most wanted kidnapper. Have you ever felt more rejected in that moment? Well, I, I guess I scare small children now, great. When you take that child to Santa, it's a whole new experience. You can see the look on that child's face and almost read what they're thinking as they're beginning to be passed to Santa. The child's thinking, are, are you really letting this happen? Are you really letting this happen? Do you see this guy you're giving me to the old bearded stranger? The guy wearing snow boots and an unreasonably, unreasonably warm hat in a climate controlled space? This is, this is really happening. Mother, mother, I don't even know you right now. Is this, they begin to cry and, and squirm in the next few moments or what I would only imagine it would be like to, to give a feral bobcat a bath. just screaming and scratching and biting, weeping, gnashing of teeth. See, some of us tend to be a bit more untrusting. As we mature and we get older, we become untrusting of all sorts of ways. Maybe we don't trust certain people or certain things like we once did. 
There are aspects of myself I don't trust quite anymore. I don't trust my eyes like I once could. I'm at that age where I can't see as well. My prescription for contacts and glasses just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Not too long ago in Midway, our midweek gathering for young adults, I literally could not read the text in my Bible. I had to go over and stand under a light, and it was an uncomfortable moment of trying to read my Bible. Everyone knew what was going on as I began to extend my arm in the classic way that you see. Well, the next week, without any conversation concerning it, the Midway leaders lovingly surprised me and supplied me with a large print Bible on the stand (laughs) that I teach on. The words large print boldly underlined in Sharpie. And they included some touching sentiments about my eyesight on the inside of the cover as well. I'm so grateful for their ministry. I've entitled today's sermon, Trust in the Lord, but if I had to assign it an alternate title, one in parentheses, it would be Trust Issues. We've all had experiences over the years where we trusted someone and they violated that trust. But to be fair, we've probably been on the other side where we've been the one who's untrustworthy. In some ways, I think there could be a void of trustworthy people in our culture. It could be that our trust issues are not just a a lack of trust, but rather a wrong trust centered around trusting in the wrong things or the wrong people. I wonder if you find it difficult to trust God. Things get a bit more sobering when we consider that thought. You may have heard the old story of one man who did struggle to trust God. The man falls off a cliff. He's going to die. He's falling. He throws out a hand and miraculously he catches a branch and he yells up above, is, is anyone up there? Yes. Who, who are you? I'm God and I'm going to save you. Oh, wonderful. What should I do? Let go of the branch. Wait, what? Let go of the branch. Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) See, it's not in the scenic, carefree, mountaintop views that we find it challenging to trust God. But rather, when we're free-falling into uncertainty or when we're holding on for dear life, see, the reality is trust is truly tested in the flames of life's furnace. From years of experience as a minister, from the struggles within my own heart and mind, from the authority of scripture, I can say with confidence, we have trust issues. And I don't know what this year will hold for you, but I am certain there will be uncertainty. And I am sure your trust will be tested. The good news is the book of Proverbs tells us the correct path to travel, one wise way to navigate through life successfully, one fully trusting in the Lord. God's word is truth and it's transformative. This morning, God can change your life through the work of a spirit. My prayer is that you'll sit before his word this morning expectant for him to move, that you'll look at this familiar passage this fresh year with 
fresh eyes. My hope is that you'll give him your full focus in these next few moments. Will you join me there in Proverbs chapter three, verse five? It begins this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The first big thought I want to let you rest on yourself this morning is that. Trust in the Lord. See, there's big themes of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge found in Proverbs, and they continue through chapter three. If we fear God in every area of life, he's going to lead us. He's gonna help us make wise and correct decisions to have favor before the Lord. And now this teacher, the father, calls upon his pupil, a son, to trust Yahweh, the one true God, the God of Israel, to position his hope and confidence in him and him alone. And the word trust here is interesting in Hebrew. It's not just to put your confidence in, it's to to lie helpless face down. It pictures a servant ready to obey a conquered soldier surrendering himself to a victorious leader. See, to biblically trust God is to surrender to God in every way. Or as one author said, it's to bank on the promises of God. Trust God entirely, completely with your whole heart. Heart in the Hebrew means your intellect, understanding, discernment, and will, the center of who you are. God demands and he deserves this undivided commitment to himself, but too often Israel had shared allegiance between the Lord and the false gods of the nations. We too can have divided loyalty, half-hearted devotion, keeping one foot in the boat when we're called to walk out on the water. We can be tempted to trust anything, money, material things, a career, good health, or a myriad of modern day idols. We can just mold about anything into an object we can put our reliance in. But the psalmist wrote this, I hate those who are double-minded. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. And he taught the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so you need to know God has a special distaste for partial trust. He doesn't have the stomach for half-hearted devotion in individuals and corporately as evidenced in the lukewarm Laodicean church found in Revelation. Have you ever heard of a trust fall? Do you remember that? I recently, just in the last few years, went and spoke at a church camp in in Arkansas, and this was a big part of their camp. In fact, the the camp had built a set of stairs and a, a podium outdoors in which it was fairly elevated, probably about this high, in which kids were encouraged to go and be with their peers, and they would stand up, and they would They would face away from their peers and their peers would stand below this podium. They would join arms together and they would go through this process and it was this act of faith, this act of trust. And they would cross their arms and say that they're going to fall. They would close their eyes and just fall off this podium. Well, I was trying to be an encouraging camp speaker and I was there throughout the week, watched this happen every day of the camp. 
Uh, but one of the, the last days of the week, somebody had this wonderful idea, why don't we get the camp speaker to do it? And so I got a phone call and I, sorry guys, I, no, I didn't do that, I wanted to. But I, I did, I climbed up those stairs and I tell you, when you get up on top of that podium, you think twice about it. Uh, when you look down at those teenagers, some of them were big old boys, but there were also some really small, tiny junior high arms there. I had some concerns. Well, eventually I mustered up the courage. I turned away, I closed my eyes and crossed my arms, went through the process and I fell into their arms. And I think that sixth grader's arm that broke is, is gonna recover. I think he's, <laughs> he's probably doing better by now, but no, I'm kidding. Trusting God truly is a bit like that. It requires our whole heart, a resolved confidence in his word and in his care. Trusting God completely is being surrendered to him to bank on his promises to daily in faith fall into his capable arms. And I wonder, if you're honest, are you trusting him today? Are you completely surrendered, banking on his promises all in, trusting him with your whole heart. It's what he requires. It's what he deserves. The first big thought today, trust in the Lord. The second in verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. That was and is a countercultural statement. This is a conscious choice to not be self-reliant. And our tendency is to trust God when it agrees with our reasoning or our feelings. But as believers, we're being told we don't lean or find support in our own understanding. Dr. James E. Smith writes concerning this thought, at best, man's understanding of life is fallible, wavering and uncertain. It offers no support. The wise man does not lean on their own understanding, but trusts that God's way is truly the best way. And the one that chooses his own way proudly claims that he knows better than God. Now this warning doesn't, this warning doesn't suggest that we stop using our brains, that we ignore common sense and intelligence. This is an admonition to caution. Don't solely depend on your own wisdom and experience. And there are countless of examples in scripture where this has happened, where people did count on their own experience and understanding and they fell into trouble. And when we become wise in our own eyes, as verse seven tells us, then we are headed for disaster. Scripture is clear that all of us have gone astray like sheep. Each of us has turned to his own way. And many of us have made crucial life decisions in areas like relationships and money and vocation, not grounded upon the word of God, but based on our fickle thoughts and feelings. Proverbs tells us they're unreliable. There is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end of it is death. The Bible says, he who trusts his own heart is a fool, Proverbs 28 
26. If we live on our own understanding, we chronically have unstable lives and we constantly invite trouble into them. Furthermore, we leave a wake of destruction behind us for the ones we love to walk in. Recently was watching a show about a plane that went down back in the 80s and it was a Brazilian airliner that had trouble with its navigation systems. And for some reason along the way, uh, the pilot got confused and he began to trust his own thoughts and his own understanding. And the story went on to say and, and show that uh, what happened was is he thought he saw a river that he recognized as the Amazon and decided to, to take matters into his own hands to try to take this plane to an airport, but he was wrong. He ended up following that path down to ultimately where they ran out of fuel and crash landed and many people lost their lives as a result of a man that thought his thoughts were better than the navigation plans. It was a tragic, tragic story. And the reality is there is no captain that can be trusted at the controls outside of the Lord. It's true in your life. Don't enter into a relationship without looking to the Lord. Don't end one without doing so either. Don't make that financial move until you've measured it against God's word. Don't live life leaning on your own understanding. It will lead down a costly road that takes you away from God's will and ends in tragedy. Trust the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Verse 6 tells us, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Don't just trust with all your heart, but now in all your ways, acknowledge him. Not in just specific seasons of life or in sacred spaces. He's to be acknowledged in all things. That word acknowledge means to know. So to acknowledge God in all his ways is to know God in all his ways. Every aspect of life, we are to look to him, to acknowledge him, to seek his will in sovereign way. Abraham Kuyper said, in the total expanse of all of human life, there is not a single square inch which the Christ, who alone is sovereign, does not declare, that is mine. Proverbs, uh, Psalm, Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Psalm 37.5, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Put God in charge of all of your ways. We must acknowledge him in our families, in our education, our professions, our relationships, and our money. Listen, if we have called him Lord then he must be Lord of all. Uh, when I was a teenager and just had graduated high school, I'd saved up a little money and I wanted to purchase a, a new car. And I had my mind set on getting something sporty, a, a sports car. I'd had a very, very plain sedan that uh, was not the best. And I used to have to chase the hubcaps after I took a, to a corner a little too fast. And so I, I was ready for a change. I found a car that I, I really liked. And uh, by this time, I was old enough to make that decision by myself. But I, I kind of wanted to hear what my dad had to say. And so I asked him about it. He said, I don't know, son. 
I don't know if that's the best decision. I don't know if that's the, the best car. But what I wanted really wasn't his wisdom. I just kind of wanted him to agree with me. So after very little thought and no prayer, I purchased that car, which lasted three months. <laughs> I wished I had acknowledged my father's words. My father had wisdom that I didn't have, knowledge that I didn't possess. I wanted his advice as, as long as he agreed with what I wanted. Acknowledging God is putting God in charge of all of your ways, trusting that his way is best no matter what. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. And then verse 6 tells us, in all your ways acknowledge him. And now let's look back at verse 6. And he will make your paths straight. Or you could say it this way, he will direct your paths. Do your part and God will do his. He'll show you where to go. When the believer trusts, leans, and acknowledges the Lord in this way, he will make straight his paths. It's not just the idea of guidance, but even the removing of impediments that would impede progress that lead to the proper destination. The fulfillment of this promise is predicated on our obedience to the Lord, that we must trust him with all our heart and obey him in all our ways. Well, this morning I'm using this Bible that is, is very precious to me it's pretty beat up now. I've had it for many, many years. I think I got it when I was maybe about a sixth grader. Um, it's very torn up. The bindings coming out. It's been written in, spilled on. There, apparently, I was way into stickers as a child. I have a lot better Bibles, a lot nicer. In fact, I have some of the best quality Bibles, but I can't stop using this one, can't stop looking through it. And the reason for that is because my grandparents gave me this. And in the front cover, there's only a couple verses written. And I treasure them because they're, they're written in my grandmother's handwriting. I just love to see it. By the way, flawless penmanship didn't rub off on me. <laughs> Only a few verses. But you know what made the cut? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It was as, it was as if, and still is, if my, my grandma, who was you know, further down the road than I was, had experienced life in a way that I couldn't have at that young age, said, this is the way. Trust the Lord. Look to him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him, and he's going to direct your path. He'll show you the way to go. This is the right way to travel down. What a precious Precious treasure I have.
In fact, I, when I read it and I see her handwriting, I hear her voice. A parent teaching a child like we find in Proverbs with Solomon and his son. In my case, this Bible was a grandparent teaching a grandchild, a loved one passing on treasured wisdom. Maybe, maybe this passage is new to you, but many of you, many of you have likely heard it, read it, studied it so many times. And yet the instruction can be so difficult to follow. We still fight our flesh and our, and we bow our backs for God to bend his will to ours. And we rely on our own understanding and when the troubles of life come our way and they begin to pour in, we feel unsteady, we become untrusting, we worry, we give way to fear and our trust turns more towards trepidation. Charles Spurgeon said, in our faith, if it be worth anything, it will stand the test. Guilt is afraid of fire, but gold is not. The paste gem dreads to be touched by the diamond, but the true jewel fears no test. It is a poor faith which can only trust God when friends are true, the body full of health, the business profitable, but that is true faith which holds by the Lord's faithfulness when friends are gone, the body is sick, spirits are depressed, and the light of our Father's countenance is hidden. A faith which can say in the direst of trouble, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That is a heaven-born faith. Do you remember the Old Testament story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? King Nebuchadnezzar demands that all would bow before the gold image that he had made. However, these Jews would not bow the knee. They would only bow before the one true God. And Nebuchadnezzar threatens them that if they don't bow before the idol, when the music plays, he would throw them into a blazing furnace. Do you remember that story? They answer back, God is able to deliver us from the fire and we believe he will, but even if he does not, we will not bow our knees. Even if, what a powerful statement. What a powerful posture, powerful position in the heart of God's people, even if. My fear, however, is that many of us take the position, only if. Only if you give me what I want. Only if things go my way, if I get the answer I want, if I get the job, only if I have enough money, only if I'm healed, then I will trust you. What does your life say to the Lord? Only if or even if? See, it's not the scenic, carefree, mountaintop views that we find it challenging to trust God, but rather when we're free falling into uncertainty or when we're holding on for your dear life. See, the reality is trust is truly tested in the flames of life's furnace. The Lord will lead the way in your life if you trust him. In fact, he's provided us not just a way, but the way in Jesus. Christ himself proclaimed, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Maybe today would be the day where you put your trust in him for the first time to forgive you of your sins, to come in your life and make you new. There may have been countless people that you couldn't count on. 
but you can count on him. He loves you and he's got the scars to prove it. Do you need help this morning? Look to Jesus. Do you need hope today? Trust Jesus. Are you looking for answers? He is trustworthy. Corey Ten Boom famously said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So what about you? Do you have trust issues? Take a good look at your life this morning. Do you, do you trust him? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, this morning we confess that we need you more than we, we even know. God, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But God, how difficult is it to trust you in the storm? But God, we believe that you are faithful. We believe that you uphold your people. God, help us to have the courage and the strength by the work of your Son, through the work of your Spirit, to in this new year, completely, wholly, fully trust you. It's in these, with these words, God, we ask you to bless us, and it's in your name we pray, amen.